This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Let's try that again. It usually helps if you turn the microphone up in the morning. Good morning, everybody. Seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Uh, a Going to be a beautiful day in the Northeast. Temperature supposed to be in the mid-60s. It's teasing us. It's going to be warm the next couple of days, and then we are going to go back into the deep freeze. Lucky us. Um, but uh, lots to talk about this morning. Uh, we're going to start with uh, a bizarre story. And to, I, I guess I want to say I'm shocked by this story. But considering what happens to people who gamble sometimes, I guess I shouldn't be. There is a, uh, a guy who is a, a, a sports gambler and has been arrested <clears throat> and faces five years in jail for sending threatening social media messages uh, to various players. Uh, The story I originally saw talked about uh, players from the Tampa Bay Rays, but uh, it's come to light uh, that he also threatened a couple of members of the New England Patriots, uh, the Atlanta Braves, the San Diego Padres, the Oakland A's, the Cleveland Indians, Uh, One of his uh, uh, accounts also threatened a player for the Swedish women's national soccer team uh, after they beat Germany in the Women's World Cup. Uh, This guy's name is Benjamin Patz. He's 24. He's from California. Uh, And I guess he goes by some name uh, online called uh, Parlay Patz or something like that. But he sent a message to one of the Tampa Bay Rays players after after they lost a home game uh, against the Chicago White Sox in 2019, the message said, quote, your family will be beheaded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not really funny, but, I mean, you look at this and, and it's, it's crazy. Uh, the, the messages that he supposedly sent to the Patriots players claimed that he would rape and murder their families. I mean, are you kidding me? Um. You know, but let's, here's the thing. Uh, You know, when you are a professional sports league like the NFL, like MLB, uh, et cetera, and you get into bed with sports gambling, and look, I am not trying to be some, you know, guy that says sports gambling should never happen. But when you get involved in professional sports gambling, and it's now allowed all over the country, we're just about to allow it here in the state of Connecticut, 
when you get involved in things like that, you open up the door to things like this. Now, I know this is extreme, but as I said when they started the whole talk about sports gambling across the country, I was concerned about what could happen in college athletics. You know, these kids that these poor kids that that come in from the inner cities and they go to college, they have no money. And to be approached by a gambler to say, hey, throw this game and, you know, we'll give you you will give your family ten thousand dollars. You know, uh, you open the door. To bad people, I mean, look, you know, and. It maybe it probably isn't fair to go all the way back to the Black Sox scandal of 1919, but the, it is an example of what can happen when you allow gambling into your organization. I mean, and these, uh, you know, the NBA and the NHL and MLB are all now getting into bed and having you know companies like DraftKings as part as one of their media partners, as one of their corporate sponsors. What, it's it's inevitable that stuff like this is going to happen. Now, this is obviously very extreme. This guy is uh, obviously off his rocker. I mean, did he really think that he was going to send these threats out and nobody was going to report him? And they were just going to say, oh, it's just some whack job. You know, uh, when you're threatening to behead somebody's family or to rape their family, what do they? What? <laughs> I mean, so this guy is obviously nuts. All right, but having said that, this is probably not the only time that some professional athlete is going to get a message from somebody on social media somehow that said, hey, you just cost me a lot of money. Hell, we see that now with uh, fantasy sports, right? You know, and we have professional guys saying, you know, players saying, I don't give a crap about, you know, fantasy football. But there are people that take this stuff like it's life and death. And they get pissed off because, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you, instead of trying to score a touchdown at the end of the game, you fall down at the one-yard line to keep the clock moving and not give the team the ball, the other team the ball back. And, you know, this guy would be saying, ah, you know, you could have scored a touchdown. I would have won my game this week. I'm telling you, it's only it's going to happen again. Uh, frankly, you know, I hope this guy gets five years. I, he should probably get more than five years. And they should probably do it in a mental institution. You know, I remember when, and it wasn't sports gambling, but I remember when casinos first came to the state of Connecticut. And I remember that, you know, all of a sudden we had gambling problems in the state of Connecticut, something we never, we never had that problem before, right? Now all of a sudden we've got issues with gambling in the state of Connecticut. People, you know, not paying their rent so they can go to Foxwoods and, you know, play poker or, you know, get on the slot machines, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so I am not surprised by this this guy. And look, again, you don't go on and threaten to behead somebody's family. I mean, Jesus. But and it's not the team's fault. It's not the player's fault that this happened. You know, so the player, you know, it's the leagues have are going to have to take a look at this, you know, and they're not going to not get in bed with these people anymore. 
with DraftKings and stuff, there's a lot of money to be made, and they're all about revenue, and they don't really care where they get it. But I, you know, I, I thought that it was a bad move to begin with when all of a sudden, you know, these leagues started embracing uh, gambling companies, but you know, and and casinos, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, so I, but, I mean, honest to God, I'm going to behead your family. So uh, you know, I hope he gets everything that uh, that he deserves. By the way, um, I, those of you watching on Facebook Live, um, there's only a few of you this morning, but those of you watching on Facebook Live, um, as I said, I moved my studio. Uh, as you can see, we got a nice new sign behind me on the wall. Uh, uh, just in case you forgot who you're listening to. Uh, but I've been uh, having a good time. I've, I've enjoyed moving the studio. I'm actually in a room with a lot more light. I don't feel like I'm uh, in a closet anymore. And uh, So there's the sign. Hope you like it, uh, the wake-up call. And uh, uh, we've got a high school basketball game coming up tonight. And by the way, I want to welcome some of the fans that have started joining us from uh, – from those games, we've had some people listening to Sports Country Radio that hadn't listened to them in the past. It was a great opportunity for us to continue to broadcast high school basketball here in the state of Connecticut and uh, because there were no fans allowed at the games. Now, they're starting to allow them in slowly, but I've had a bunch of people come up and ask about the station, and I know some of them have uh, uh, have mentioned that they have uh, been listening to the show in the morning, so I appreciate the uh, new listeners that we've gotten, and uh, welcome aboard. And uh, again, if you... <laughs> God knows why anybody would want to see me, but uh, we have we're on Facebook Live as well. Uh, you can find us uh, on Facebook uh, Sports Country Radio, and uh, then there's a link to the video on there. Uh, and if you missed the show in the morning, uh, our podcast has been getting uh, picking up a lot of steam. Uh, we had more listeners in the month of February than we've ever had, and uh, the numbers are still looking good for March. So I'm very pleased about that. Spread the word if you like it. Um, you know, and you don't have a chance to listen to the entire show in the morning. Um, I appreciate you spreading, spreading the word about the show. All right, uh, a couple more things to get to um, before we uh, talk some college basketball, UConn playing tonight. But uh, uh, the fallout continues in Kansas uh, after they fired Les Miles for his conduct when he was at LSU. Yesterday, the athletic director, Jeff Long, resigned. Uh, basically, he was fired. He was uh, he was given the opportunity to resign before they fired him. Um, and you could kind of see this coming. Look, here's the deal. Um, he fired the previous football coach, Dave Beatty, um, and, uh, and, and it was shaky. They fired him what they called for cause, and it was a, a minor NCAA investigation into a non-coaching staff member. That's what it was about. I mean, it wouldn't have resulted in any kind of uh, suspension for the coach. It wouldn't have resulted in any kind of uh, uh, violation, major violation. It wouldn't have cost them a chance to go to the tournament or lose scholarships or any. It wouldn't have been a huge infraction. But the athletic director, Jeff Long, used that excuse to fire the coach and also say, by the way, we're not going to pay you the $3 million buyout that's in your contract. Um. Uh, there was a court case, uh, and guess what happened? They had to pay $500,000 in legal fees, and they still ended up agreeing with on a $2.5 million settlement on the lawsuit. So instead of paying them out $3 million, they paid them two and a half, but it cost them $500,000 in legal fees, so it ended up being the same amount of money anyway. So that's how the whole, his tenure started there. 
you know, then this is the same guy who brought in Snoop Dogg for a uh, uh, Midnight Madness kind of thing, uh, and the rapper shows up, and he's got dancers dressed and doing things on stripper poles and <laughs> throwing fake $100 bills into the crowd. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. And then what did he do? He hired his one of his best friends, a guy he has been friends with for 30 years in Les Miles, a guy who had been under investigation at LSU, who had been fired at LSU. They, in 2016, they wanted to fire Miles back in 2013 when the whole thing started. So Long knew that Miles was damaged goods and hired him anyway. I mean, <laughs> it was inevitable that Jeff Long was going to get fired when this is over. So now they are going to need a new head coach, and they are going to need a new athletic director at the University of Kansas. Good Lord. All right, uh, college basketball. The UConn men are in the Big East quarterfinals tonight, um, 9 o'clock. It is the last game of the day. The tournament actually kicks off, or the quarterfinals kick off today at noon and as I said, UConn will be in the game at uh, at nine. The first game will be Villanova against Georgetown, number one against number eight. That's at noon. Uh, St. John's and Seton Hall will be the three o'clock game, and then number two Creighton will take on number ten Butler at six o'clock. Butler with a big upset last night. They beat uh, Xavier, the number seven seed in the tournament, in overtime, seventy to sixty nine effectively ending Xavier's chance to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Chuck Harris uh, with a a big second half and the overtime uh, made a three-pointer to put Butler ahead. Uh, 62-59 was its first lead, by the way, since it had led 9-7. to um, And then uh, a couple of free throws at the end to put the game away. And uh, – uh, Butler outscored uh, with the final nine minutes of the second half and the overtime. Butler outscored Xavier 18-7. to So uh, Butler advances and Xavier. I will be shocked if they uh, if they get in the tournament after that uh, first-round loss. They were on the bubble anyway. So I would think that this is going to knock them out. The other upset last night and the reason why UConn, the number three seed, will be playing number 11 DePaul today is DePaul pulled off the biggest shocker of the tournament as they knocked off number six Providence yesterday. Um, I watched the uh, second half of this game, and Providence just uh, could not get over the hump. They end up losing 70-62. to 62. Uh, <laughs> It was uh, uh, Javon Freeman-Liberty and Charlie Moore, 21 points apiece, uh, Providence defense was horrendous last night. They couldn't get anything going uh, offensively. I mean, Providence led at halftime by a point, but DePaul had a, a 12-4 run in the first four and a half minutes of the second half to open it up, and uh, uh, Providence managed to get it back tied at 53 apiece uh, with about nine minutes to go, I think it was, but then that was it. They were done. It was, <coughs> excuse me, it was so bad that Ed Cooley, the head coach of Providence, actually walked off the floor before the clock even ran out. I think there's like 10, 15 seconds still left on the clock, and Ed Cooley is walking to the locker room. And you could see with about a minute and a half to go, he called a timeout. 
Uh, his team was down by eight, and he's like just shaking his head like he absolutely cannot believe how poorly his team is playing. And uh, so they get bounced from the tournament last night as well. And uh, now DePaul will take on UConn tonight. It, look, it's a there's no question this was a uh, great present for UConn. They beat DePaul twice in the regular season. Uh, they beat him 82-61 to 61 at Gamble. Uh, and then they beat them in Chicago 60-53. to 53, And you say, well, that was a close game. Well, yes, it was, except UConn played that game without their best player. James Booknight didn't play in the game. Uh, Booknight had 20 points the first time they played. Uh, Tyrese Martin has been huge against DePaul this year. He had 22 points and 10 rebounds in the first game, the 21-point uh, win at Gamble. And then he turned around and threw in 18 uh, in the win in Chicago. So this is a... Um, uh, a present for UConn. So you would think that is going to set up a semifinal matchup against Creighton. I can't believe Butler is going to pull off the win over Creighton, but who knows? And look, UConn uh, with Creighton uh, struggled a little bit, but the first time they lost to him, I believe it was, I could be wrong, but I thought they lost to him in overtime. The first time, I'm gonna have to take a look at that. Hang on, I'm uh, I'm actually on the website right now. Yeah, the first time they played him, they lost to him 76-74 in overtime. That was back on uh, December the 20th. They played them again at Creighton. Uh, lost another tough game. It was a six-point game on January 23rd. Um, and again, that was a game that UConn played without Booknight. You know, they did the best they could. They had four guys in double figures, and, you know, they worked their tails off. They actually, I believe they out-rebounded Creighton in that game uh, big time, you know, and they still ended up losing it. But now they're, so they lost to him in overtime with Booknight. They lost to him by six without him. Um, you know, I think UConn's got a chance. UConn is one of the sexy picks right now. Everybody thinks that they're one of the hottest teams in college basketball right now. And a lot of people are picking UConn to come out of the Big East with the title, um, mainly because Booknight is back. Villanova's banged up; they've got so many injuries. A lot of people, a lot of people wouldn't be shocked if Georgetown beat Villanova today. I would be, but uh, a lot of people think that because of all the injuries, uh, that uh, Villanova could be in trouble. Uh, so we'll see, you know, I mean, but uh, nine o'clock tonight, UConn, but uh, I guess the first game to watch will be that noontime game and see if the uh, Georgetown Hoyas could uh, can pull that off. By the way, uh, they named the coach of the year uh, in the Big East Conference yesterday, and uh, that went to uh, Mike Anderson, the coach at St. John's, got him, uh, uh, you know, a pretty good season. They're on the NCAA bubble right now, still with an opportunity to get in. I thought Patrick Ewing, did a great job at Georgetown. I thought my, he might have a chance to win it, but uh, St. John's uh, Mike Anderson wins it. But I'll, I'll be watching that game at noontime today, and I'll be pulling for the uh, the Hoyas because, again, that might make the rude uh, the rude the road for the UConn Huskies uh, a little bit easier. Um, one other college basketball note, and this was pretty funny. A story I saw in the AP last night with the coronavirus. Look, we've known that. There's been games postponed. We haven't had a normal schedule. People have been playing unbalanced schedules. Sometimes you don't play teams in your conference that you normally would. Well, the NCAA has had to look at, with the tournament coming up, what is going to be 
what kind of standards are they going to have? You know, what, what happens if a team suddenly has an outbreak or uh, injuries or, you know, maybe one guy or two guys uh, test positive and they have to be isolated? Well, uh, the NCAA has decided that as long as a team has five players, they don't have to have a bench. As long as you've got five players, they will allow you to continue in the tournament if you qualify. And he said, you know, I mean, uh, Dan Gavitt, who was the head of the basketball uh, uh, operations for the NCAA, said that, uh, you know, look, it's it's something that they had to talk about, you know. But every team is going to have its own floor. Players are going to have their own room. So they're not even going to, uh, you know, normally when you go to – on road trips, you know, guys are, you know, two to three to a room. Uh, players are going to have their own rooms. And teams are going to have their own floors in the designated hotels to try to uh, cut down on any kind of exposure. Uh, players and coaches are going to have, you know, frequent testing and contact tracing. And But, again, we have seen, despite all the precautions, things happen. And uh, so now the NCAA has said as long as you have five healthy guys, you can – yeah, you can continue to play. Let's hope it doesn't come down to that because that, that would just be uh, bizarre. 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. It must have been the fog of this morning. I uh, grabbed the wrong cup of coffee. I grabbed the black coffee. Oof. Brutal. Ugh. I left my uh, coffee out in another room here at my house. I'll be making a trip, I guess, at the uh, uh, the next commercial break. All right, uh, baseball news. And uh, I, I guess on one hand, this is good news. On the other hand, it's bizarre news, and it's probably a little reckless. But the Texas Rangers announced yesterday that they are going to allow full capacity for opening day at their brand-new ballpark. Um, and they the same day, the uh, Texas governor announced that uh, the restrictions on masks and everything uh, are, are, are over. The Rangers have decided that they are going to try to fill the ballpark on opening day. Now, this is where it gets bizarre. Only for opening day. You heard me. So they're going to allow a full stadium on opening day, but for every game after that, they are going to have distanced seating in uh, in sections of the ballpark. You know, they'll. I, I. It sounds like what they're going to do is for the season ticket holders and the primo seats, they're going to let them sit all close together. But after opening day, there's going to be other parts of the ballpark where if, if fans want to come. They'll have distant seating so you can be sitting kind of, you know, in your little pod and there'll be, you know, eight, ten feet between you and the next fans. Um, but if you're going to allow a full ballpark for the opening game, why wouldn't you do it for the rest of them? I mean, you've look, you know, and, and the uh, the owner of the Rangers says, well, we're we're pretty confident we're not going to create some kind of super spreader event. Really? Um. The last numbers I saw, it was something like less than 10% of the population in the state of Texas has been vaccinated for the vac- or has been vaccinated for the coronavirus. And yet you are going to pack 
40 plus thousand fans into this stadium and it's not going to be a, a super spreader event because here's the other part of this. Now the Rangers are saying that they're going to require their fans to wear masks, which, okay, fine. Unless they are actively eating and drinking at their seats. Um, you know, and they did this when, if you remember back last year when they did the postseason and they had it at in Texas and they only allowed like 11,000 people in there. Um, but they're going to, they said, unless you're actively eating or drinking, you have to keep your mask on. Okay, fair enough. How many people do you really think are going to adhere to that? And then the question is going to be, if you have 40, almost 41,000 is the capacity there. If you have 41,000 people in that stadium and somebody doesn't have their mask on and they're not actively eating or drinking, how many ushers are you going to have to have to enforce this or, or security guards? How many, how many arguments are there going to be? You know, it's, it is a recipe for disaster. Look, if you, you know, I mean, and I guess the other part of this is, and it's been kind of heartening to see that I've been watching the national news and a lot of the people in Texas, at least the business owners, have said, we really don't care what the governor says. We are going to continue to follow CDC CDC guidelines in our restaurant or in our store, which means, you know, we're not going to have 100% capacity. We are going to require people to wear masks. And, you know, we're just going to keep business as usual. So uh, and then it was going to be up to the individual whether they want to patronize a business where they have to wear a mask or not. So the other part of this is, is will they find 41,000 people that are brave enough to go to the ballpark and sit right on top of somebody that that could be spreading the coronavirus? Because, by the way, here's the thing. They said, well, you got to keep your mask on even when, when you're not actively eating or drinking. Okay. Even if everybody adheres to that. What if you decide to eat your hot dog at the same time the guy sitting next to you wants to eat his hot dog and he's carrying the coronavirus? He could still spread that to you just from the time that you're eating or drinking. You know, I, I, this isn't a question to me of, of whether you know, whether people adhere to the rules or not, if you are, unless you are going to require people to keep that mask on the entire time they are at the baseball game, you are risking a super spreader event. If you're going to put 41,000 people in that ballpark, I just don't understand that. I really don't. Um, and there are a lot of people that <laughs> Susan Waltman yesterday uh, Yankee broadcaster was so funny. Uh, she just came right out on the air and said, well, that's stupid. She said, I'm glad we're not going to be there because it's just stupid. You know, so, uh, you know, I guess it's nice to hear a, a voice of reason. But if you live in the state of Texas, I mean, it's, you have a decision to make. You know, there was a, a thing on social media the other day. You know, somebody was asking, are you planning to go to a, a baseball game this this summer? And I thought about it, and I, I, I would have to say that I honestly don't know. Now, I may. I mean, I'm getting the vaccine on Saturday. So I'll be vaccinated. 
So, I mean, I guess once I'm fully vaccinated, I guess I could. I just don't know that I'm ready for that yet. It's not, and it's not that, uh, that I'm some, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't think I'm ready for that yet. And I don't think that a lot of people are in the same boat. So, you know, I mean, but we'll see, but Texas is going to be the first ones to allow it and we'll see how that goes. But I just think the part of this that is bizarre to me is if you're the Rangers and you're going to do it for game number one, why aren't you going to do the same thing for game number 10? You know, all of a sudden in game number 10, we're going to have distance seating. It's just weird. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I just think it's too soon. You know, I want us to get back to that. I want to go to a concert. I want to go to a baseball game. I really do. But as I said, when this whole pandemic started and people were losing their minds because they couldn't do something, uh, you know, uh, my comment then and my comment now is, is what is the harm in waiting a little while? What is the harm if, if you're the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees or the Texas Rangers or whoever, what is the harm of, you know, you've been told most ballparks are, you know, going to open up to 25% capacity. I think that's great. There will be plenty of room. You're outside, but you're not on top of everybody if you're doing 25% capacity. What is the harm in doing that and then waiting until, you know, July or August? There, you know, Dr. Fauci was on uh, one of the morning talk shows this morning on the Today Show and said he really believes that by late summer, early fall, we will be in a much better place and it will be much safer for us to gather in big groups. So what is the harm, if you're the Rangers, of waiting a couple of months? Other than they do it different in Texas. You know, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't get it, but, you know, I mean, I'm just curious. If you're in the state of Texas, are you going to go? If you're a baseball fan, are you ready to go and sit, you know, right next to somebody on either side of you that could have the coronavirus. Are you are you going to do that? Curious. Um, other baseball news in the front office. The Seattle Mariners have announced that they are going to change the front, the structure of their front office after the re- resignation slash firing uh, of Kevin Mather, who uh, spoke out at a, uh, a Rotary Club meeting about the inner workings of the front office of the Mariners and talked <laughs> Uh, really caused the Mariners some problems with some of their younger players. And uh, uh, they have now decided that the next president that they hired to replace Mather is going to not have any access to the baseball side of the operations. Their president will just deal with the business end. And that Jerry DePoto, the general manager, uh, will report directly uh, to the CEO. Uh, or to the, the chairman of the board, I should say. Um, and then the president, when he is hired, uh, will not have any interaction on a daily basis on Jerry DePoto so that there can't be any more slip-ups and saying stupid things like like Mather did. So uh, probably, uh, probably something that all teams might want to consider to have a separation there, you know, so that somebody doesn't go off the reservation and say something really dumb. All right, uh, spring training baseball yesterday. The Red Sox with a win yesterday. Again, not that these games mean anything, but some very, very good signs yesterday. Um, Tanner Houck came in 
uh, pitched three shutout innings, a guy that right now is in line perhaps to be the fifth starter for the Red Sox. Matt Andrees started the game, a guy that they haven't decided whether he's going to be starter or reliever. He's probably better off for the bullpen, but he gave up three runs, three hits uh, in the first three innings. But, again, the positive signs, Hauk, three shutout innings, struck out three. Uh, and Adam Adovino, uh, who they recently acquired from the New York Yankees, uh, pitched a scoreless inning in, in struck out two in his first appearance for the Red Sox. This is a guy that is going to be a back end of the bullpen guy. He may be the setup guy for Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes is likely to be the closer. Adam Adovino might end up being the eighth inning guy. Uh, so that was a really good sign as well. A lot of people were worried about Alavino because his numbers last year weren't great. But again, if you drill down into the way he pitched last year, Alavino had one bad outing. You know that's the problem with a reliever. You pitch so few innings during the year. If you have a couple of bad outings, you know your numbers look hideous. Well, he had one bad outing against the Toronto Blue Jays, where they whacked him all over the ballpark, and I think he gave up four or five runs. But the rest of the season, he was pretty good. So that was a really, really good sign. Uh, for the Red Sox yesterday, especially Tanner Houck. If he's uh, in line to be the number five guy in your rotation, uh, that was a, a very promising outing. Uh, other good things to look at yesterday, Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, who had struck out at one point six straight at bats this spring, you know, and that's what we're going to get with Dahlbeck, uh, also hit a grand slam home run yesterday uh, as the Red Sox came back. They were down 3-1. to one. He hit the grand slam to put him up 5-3. Uh, he's hitting over 300 this spring. Uh, strikeout numbers are high. He's a guy that's probably going to strike out 25 to 30% of the time, and that's just the way it's going to be with him, and you're going to have to live and die with that, I guess. But if he hits 300 and strikes out 25% of the time, I guess you can live with it. Uh, other good signs. Rafael Devers, third base yesterday, made a couple of outstanding defensive plays. Um, obviously, after that awful season that he had defensively last year, a lot of people think that, he is going to have a bounce back year with Alex Cora there. Alex Cora is almost like a father figure to the kid, and he really thrived under Cora. So a lot of people think that he is going to be uh, have a great year, and I hope so. And, and those defensive plays yesterday, a great sign. J.D. Martinez continues to swing the bat well. Uh, a little bit concerning is that Kike Hernandez made another error. That's, I think, the third or fourth error he's made this spring at second base. This is a guy that they are – kind of locking into the second base position. He's also a utility guy, but I think he's the guy they expect to play second base on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, Pete Abraham had a thing in the Boston Globe this morning about Michael Chavis that, you know, that he is probably not going to make the team because um, of the signings of Hernandez and signing of Marwin Gonzalez. But I still believe that Michael Chavis needs to be on the Red Sox. I think they need to put him uh, he can play second. He can play third. Uh, I like the idea of using Kike Hernandez in that utility role. You can put him in the lineup every day because he can play all three outfield positions. He can play short. He can play third. He can play second. You can give guys a day off and still keep, keep Hernandez in the lineup. I just like Michael Chavis. Uh, he looks like he's in great shape. He's swinging the bat well. He's hitting 400 this spring. Um, and, and if, you know, and if Hernandez is botching the ball all over the place, uh, down in Florida, I see no harm in uh, in bringing Chavis north with this team. I just don't. I, you know, it sounds like if anybody uh, is going to make it, it they'll, they'll take Jonathan Arauz. Uh, but I still like the idea of keeping Michael Chavis. I know he struggled a bit last year, but who didn't? 
you know, and, and we got to stop harping on what guys did last year. I'm tired of reading stories in the paper about, well, this guy did this last year, or this guy did that last year. Can we just agree that last year was an aberration and move on? And it seems like, you know, we're, we're getting too hung up on numbers from last year. 45 minutes past. Yeah, we got to take another break. I got to go get my coffee. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Got a few more minutes left before we get out of here. Uh, this morning, uh, news out of Mets camp, and it's not good. Carlos Carrasco, uh, the pit, one of the pitchers that they acquired from the Cleveland Indians in the trade uh, that brought Francisco Lindor uh, to the Mets, uh, has a sore elbow, and he is being shut down until at least next week. Uh, look, Carrasco's 34 years old. This is the guy that missed three months in 2019 fighting leukemia, but he pitched last year, uh, pitched well, you know, uh, made 12 starts, pitched to an ERA of under three. Um, and it's a guy that's, you know, career-wise has been pretty consistent. But you wonder, I thought it was strange when the trade was made and they didn't just get Lindor, who was one of the premier players uh, in baseball, but they also got Carlos Carrasco. I thought that was a little bit strange. And it leads me to wonder if the Cleveland Indians actually suspected there was something going on with Carrasco and they were concerned about his arm. I mean, based on the numbers last year, you wouldn't think so. But it just seems strange that here we go, and we're it's March uh, 11th, and Carrasco is going to be shut down. Now, Carrasco said that uh, that he has had this happen before. He said that uh, that it's something that he's had happened in the past, and he's uh, he's just going to need a few days off. You know, we'll see. They did a they did an evaluation. I don't think they did an MRI, but they did an evaluation. They didn't think anything was structurally wrong. Uh, you know, part of it could be he got the vaccine and said that he is experiencing some body aches because he got the second vaccine um, on Tuesday. Possibly it's related to that, but they don't know. So, uh, so we'll see. But that's not uh, good news because he is kind of. Uh, figured to be the number three starter for the New York Mets uh, along with DeGrom and Marcus Stroman and then uh, Taiwan Walker and David Peterson. Pretty good rotation. I mean, obviously uh, no Syndergaard this year because of, or at least not till later in the year because of the Tommy John surgery that he had last year. Um, But very concerning if you're a Mets fan that uh, he is out. Uh, Also having Tommy John surgery, the top prospect for the Houston Astros, uh, Forrest Whitley, uh, was diagnosed with a sprained UCLA, UCL in his right elbow on Sunday uh, after throwing batting practice. And uh, he's 23 years old. He was uh, the 17th overall pick in the 2016 draft. And he hasn't made the majors yet. Most guys that were drafted in 2016 that are the number one prospect for a team are pretty close to, if they're not already in the majors. But his problem is is that he's had a bunch of injuries. And he also got suspended for 50 games in 2018 for violating the uh, the drug program in Major League Baseball. So he has obviously had his share of problems, and now he is going to be shut down for at least a year uh, after having Tommy John surgery. Uh, other coronavirus news, Joey Votto, the first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, is out indefinitely. 
uh, after testing positive for the coronavirus at spring training. Uh, you know, and it's strange because this is the same guy that last year, last August, during that shortened season, actually went on the injured list after self-reporting coronavirus symptoms. So does that mean that he's gotten it twice? Or does that mean that the first time he got it, uh, it wasn't really uh, the coronavirus? I don't know, but that's uh, a bit concerning if you are the Cincinnati Reds. The good news is it's March 11th, and hopefully, uh, you know, and it could be a false positive. Who knows? Uh, but he is out indefinitely until they get uh, they get the word that he is cleared. Um, other news around spring training yesterday, Max Scherzer made his second start of the spring for the Washington Nationals. Went very well. Uh, struck out five in three perfect innings. Didn't even allow a hit. No walks. Um, and they beat the uh, Cincinnati Reds three or excuse me, the St. Louis Cardinals three to two. The other good sign, if you're the Nationals, Starlin Castro, uh, who missed almost all of last season after breaking his right wrist. Uh, with a two-run home run in the fourth inning. Um, Jack Flaherty got the start for the uh, the Cardinals, gave up two runs, two hits in four innings. Um, George Springer missed his second straight game for the Toronto Blue Jays yesterday. Uh, he's got some kind of an abdominal strain, so uh, he is out at least for a little while for the, uh, the Blue Jays. Uh, Jose Barrios pitched yesterday for the Minnesota Twins. Three shutout innings, a uh, good sign for the uh, Twins as well. I still think that... That uh, rotation may not be good enough for the Twins this year, but, uh, you know, time will tell. The Philadelphia Phillies yesterday got uh, uh, a pretty good uh, performance from uh, Spencer Howard. He struck out four in two innings of work. Uh, The Kansas City Royals yesterday, uh, Brad Keller got the start. Didn't allow any runs, but he gave up five hits. Did walk a couple of guys in three and a third. But Wade Davis, Brad Brock came out of the bullpen, pitched a couple of scoreless innings. Reds with a good performance yesterday. Sean Doolittle, who recently signed with the Cincinnati Reds, did not have a good performance yesterday. Uh, Four runs, three hits, three walks in one inning, gave up back-to-back home runs in the inning as well. So kind of – and I love Sean Doolittle. I I really want this guy to succeed. But, uh, you know, he struggled in Washington the last couple of years, and you have to wonder if perhaps – He's reaching the end of the line. Uh, Oakland Athletics got three scoreless innings yesterday from Chris Bassett. Good sign. Uh, they beat Milwaukee 9-1. to Travis Shaw hit a solo home run for the Brewers. It's his second home run this spring. He's hoping to be able to catch on with them after struggling last year with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Josh Hader came in in relief uh, for the Brewers. And uh, a guy that doesn't usually allow anybody on base gave up uh, two home runs to the Oakland Athletics yesterday. The good news is it's springtime. Uh, Austin Gomber pitched yesterday um, for the Colorado Rockies and allowed uh, three hits but no runs in three innings of work as the Rockies beat the Padres. Uh, Carlos Correa with three hits for the Houston Astros yesterday. And uh, the Yankees got home runs from Giancarlo Stanton, Glaber Torres. Uh, they beat the Pirates 6-5, but the, the best news, I guess, if you're a Yankee fan, Ding- Domingo Harmon making his second start of the spring, returning from his domestic violence suspension, uh, struck out three in three scoreless innings, so that he's now pitched five innings this spring, has not allowed a run. Uh, so that's a good sign for Yankee fans. And the Dodgers yesterday, uh, Clayton Kershaw got the start, a lot of run and struck out three uh, in three innings. And Kenley Jansen, a couple of strikeouts and a scoreless inning of relief as the Dodgers uh, beat the Diamondbacks. One last note, uh, Johnny Damon, 
got stopped for DUI the other day and got arrested. He and his wife, um, it was, uh, they released body cam video, and it was pretty embarrassing for Damon. Uh, but his uh, blood alcohol level, 0.294. Almost four times the legal limit for driving in the state of Florida. 0.294. How was he even standing upright? I mean, honest to God, 0.294. He must have been hammering them for hours. Uh, so uh, Johnny Damon, that's going to cost him a lot of money, and uh, I would not be shocked if he doesn't lose his license. He was almost home, by the way. He was actually at the gate of his community in Florida. He was about 100 yards from his house when he, when he got stopped, and uh, pretty embarrassing. So uh, poor Johnny. Uh, we've got uh, high school basketball coming up 5.30 tonight. It's uh, Old Lyme High School at Cromwell. I'll be on the call. I used to coach basketball at Old Lyme High School, so that would be fun. My wife's from Old Lyme, uh, so they will be in to take on Cromwell tonight. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Dan Zampano will join us uh, to talk NFL football tomorrow. The NFL announced yesterday that the salary cap is actually going to drop 8% from what it was last year. Uh, so there's going to be some uh, some carnage coming up in the NFL. Guys are going to get released as teams try to get underneath the cap. So we'll talk to Dan about that uh, tomorrow morning at 9.30. We leave you this morning from, with some music from the Eagles. How long? We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.